Cleve West is a designer at the forefront of contemporary garden design in the UK, and six-time recipient of a Royal Horticultural Society Gold Medal. In 2008, his entry in the Chelsea Flower Show was winner of the People's Choice Award, and last year he picked up the coveted Best in Show prize. We met up with Cleve in his West London studio to talk about the smells that have accompanied a life largely spent in the outdoors. Lots and lots of weekends, pretty much every weekend it felt like, were up at my grandmother's place in Harrow. My mother's side of the family are an Anglo-Indian family and so all my aunts and uncles and cousins and various folk would come in and, and all just have one massive cook-up every Saturday. You know, huge, great big Dutch skis of of dal and rice and onion barges and everything, all those curry flavours. So that is just ingrained in my psyche. So, you know, every time I smell curry, doesn't you know, the smell doesn't actually indicate how good or bad it is, interestingly. But, um, you know, every time you walk past a curry shop and you're hungry, I'm like, my, my sort of tongue hits the floor. I mean, the, the thing about curry is there's so many different spices to indulge in, and I'm sure I've only sort of brushed the surface. And, and, and I was just talking to Lizzie earlier about some asafetida, which is um, it's a, a plant, ferula asafetida, which is like a, a fennel, giant fennel. And you eat the root of it, which is, gets ground up into a, into a powder. And when you add it to um, the oil, it, and it gives it sort of a more of an onion flavour, would you say? I don't know. It's certainly got a weird smell because I always think the smell of it is like, I'm not put off by it, but it smells like body odour to me. And and I do find myself thinking of underarms every time I get the packet out, you know, uh, <laughs> which is a bit odd. But I quite like those sort of musty, sort of musky smells, which are very basic. I, I'm quite drawn to for for whatever reason. You know, not like, not saying I go following people with bo all around Kingston, but um, um, I do like that. This is um, curry leaves here, which is just, I mean, that is just heaven on a plate, or in a plastic bag in this case. And um, it reminds me of my favourite restaurant in the world, which is called the Casturi, which is in Upper Tooting Road, or it was until about a year ago when it closed down. And we're now just distraught. We've been going there for about 22 years and it's suddenly gone because the rents went up so high. But they used to make the best rice with, uh, and it had corn, sweet corn, and it also had curry leaves. And I've never managed to cook it exactly the same way, but curry leaves impart a real wholesomeness to, to the recipe. And um, so if someone could tell me please how to use it properly, I'd be very grateful. There are other curry type of plants which I'm I like. Uh, there's one called Escalonia resinosa, which has got an incredible curry pungency. It's slightly different to that. I think it's probably sweeter smelling than that. And it's, it's very curious because this, you can definitely smell it on the leaf. You can crush it and it imparts. You can get the pungency straight away. But from Escalonia resinosa, resinosa you can't actually smell the curry. It's one of those plants that exudes the, the perfume in a sort of roundabout way and I think it depends on temperature maybe not so much temperature more humidity actually it's probably more humidity and it sort of sends out wafts little pools of odour into the air and you, you sort of walk into a mist of it 
and suddenly it's gone and and that's fantastic there are a few plants that do that cistus is another one that does that you sort of go up to it and you think you can smell it on the leaf and you can't but then you walk past it a few yards away and the, if the wind's in the right direction and the humidity's right you suddenly sort of enveloped by it and it's wonderful what do you remember about smells of school um gymnasiums that sort of I wouldn't say dirty feet, but feet on varnished floorboards certainly sort of permeates most children, I would have thought. And the cold, the cold and, and the sweat of your feet against the, the, that sort of floor, I think that sort of amplifies all, all that sort of smell. Plasticine, that's a very, very powerful thing for me, particularly as, um, as you can see, I've got some odd looking shapes lying about it's not it's not normal well it is normal actually I, i'm very into pipe i like using pipes in uh, for water features and um, there's a massive gap in the market you can't get any decent pipes so you find yourself having to design them and get them made um so this is a very it's for it's a prototype for a, some pipes that we're going to be using at the chelsea flower show this year but that smell it's a, it's really it just takes you back. I'm sure it probably takes all children. Um, do, do they use plasticine at school these days? I don't know if it smells the same. I, this is something that I bought recently, and it doesn't quite have the same pungency as the old the old stuff. Peculiar smell, isn't it? There's nothing like it. And um, no, it's, 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 that's very interesting how it sort of take you just transported straight back to those um, embarrassing moments at school where you just realise you don't know anything <laughs> and all the girls did <laughs> Did you go to India at all when you were a kid? No, I didn't go at all um, in fact I only went for the first time five or six years ago and uh, so that was quite interesting so all my knowledge of India came from my family Having when I did go eventually it was everything I expected and, and more. It's just so incredibly powerfully vibrant in, in for all the senses. The smells out in India were just bonkers. And again, mostly I'm drawn to food, but incense as well. And the incense is quite interesting because I come from a Catholic background. And um, so you've got all that incense that you were sort of dragged through as a kid in through churches and that mixture of incense and spice. So it's, it does sort of play on, on childhood memories a lot. So when I did eventually go to India, it sort of felt a little bit like coming home, if you like, even though I'd never been to the place before. Interestingly, I got sick right on the very last day in Nepal, just about made it home in one piece and got went straight to hospital. And um, I was ill for about five weeks with something in my liver. When I recovered, I found an old rolled-up uh, part of banknotes from Nepal and uh, they're really old ones really nasty horrible but been well well used and thumbed and uh, I just got one whiff of that and I almost threw up it was just so powerful it just brought back all those all the bad memories I had like five weeks of really good memories of India and I had one day of bad sickness and uh, I was actually wasn't physically th sick this is actually this leads on to something else I've got a phobia I don't know what it's called about being sick and I can't be sick 
sick. And so when I had that illness, I needed to be sick, but I just wasn't. I wouldn't let myself. So that's probably what prolonged it on even more. But I've sort of def I've built up a self-defense mechanism against the scent of vomit, which uh, uh, most people, if they smell vomit, actually get sick themselves. I'm actually the best person. If you feel sick and get sick, I'm the best person. I'm a great cleaner-upper. And I can deal with people being sick and look after people, even though, uh, you know, I don't like being sick myself purely because I've sort of shut off, I've desensitised to that smell. I mean, it's not very nice, obviously, but um, I won't break down and start throwing up like everyone at the end of that sketch with Monty Python, Mr. Creer, so, you know, everyone puking everywhere. So I'm a great nurse. <laughs> because you obviously work outside a lot. Is there something, a smell which you can remember first smelling and realizing that that was something that was important to you? Yeah, when I was a teenager, my family moved to Somerset because we used to live on, the, on an island in the middle of the Thames, Thames Ditton Island. And then, then we up sticks and moved to Somerset. And, and one of the, well, apart from the sea, we lived on Porlock, right on the edge of the, um, the uh, southwest peninsula and the sea was very strong but we lived right on the edge of Exmoor so the big and probably the most powerful smell of all is again a very subtle one is the is the bracken that uh, and the ferns that are up there and it's um I mean everyone keeps going on about how carcinogenic they are so I'll probably die of cancer before I get any older but um I love that sort of musk that you get from late summer ferns and um it's very difficult to describe it's it's almost like the armpit of mother earth really and um you get it a lot around here where where we, where I am now because we're right next to bushy park and you get great swathes of bracken and if you go through there on a rainy after a, after it's rained you know and it's quite warm late summer you get that sort of oozing out of the ground as you're cycling along and it's just just incredibly powerful stuff and I'm sure that harks back to when I lived in Somerset and used to wander up on the moors there and down in the coombs just fantastic stuff. Cleve what was your first job and uh, what are the smells that you remember from that job was it gardening related? Um, you're not going to be you're going to think I've made this up now I worked for Thames Water in the sewage works <laughs> it was a school holiday job yeah so that's my first, <laughs> that's my first job first proper job after that well i did work for um a fine art publishing company that was very interesting i because uh, i did art as part of my degree i was mainly involved in packing and and putting up exhibitions and stuff but occasionally i got to work in um an artist studio and and probably one of the best weeks of my whole life was working in david hockney's studio with him just working as a general dog's body and but all those smells of all you know the the etching inks and the terps and um all the scrim and all that all that stuff i mean that will be with me forever as long as i live i actually saw him in the, in in the, the academy a couple of years ago my girlfriend put me off saying hello to him because she'd know i'd have to talk really loudly and 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 say do you remember me <laughs> and so i really wanted to talk to him and thank him for just uh what he's done, what all the things he's created for 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 everyone, and it, and having gone to his exhibition recently, it just blew me away. That those are really evocative smells, and it's funny, isn't it? Um, just a one week in your whole life, and that those smells remind you of of something so powerful. Uh, and my girlfriend's an artist as well, so I do 
uh, uh, the smells are reinforced at home even so um, yeah in interesting it's a bit of a um, big one and an obvious one but just talking about this how does scent play a part in your work and when you're when you're designing and when you're thinking about it yeah this is interesting because I'd never really actually consciously design a garden for scent I mean I might put plants in there that have got scent but uh, and if anyone comes up to me and say I want a scented garden it's like I, I sort of switch off in a way because any sort of garden that you are you're going to make will have something that smells in it even if it's not an obvious one but some people are very sort of very focused on having you know a rose garden or a lavender garden and and just going for those and, and nothing else and that's fine if they really want to do that um, I'm more interested in in spaces and and how they work and how they make you feel. Um, obviously, scent comes into that. So, but I, I see that as an addition. I don't see that as the prime focus. Um, I, I like to, people to be able to feel good in gardens, and that's a lot to do with the space and how the space is arranged. Um, and the scent is a bonus if it if you know really at the end of the day. I'm not saying I don't like scented plants, I do, and I do plant lots of them, so don't get worried, listeners. <laughs> Have you got some gardening scents that aren't related to plants? Mm, yeah, um, well, the obvious one is cut mowing the lawn, but the curious thing is that when you're cutting the lawn, it's not the same as if you smell it when someone else is cutting the lawn, which I never quite understand. I suppose it's a bit like someone else making a cup of tea. It's it's always better. Compost is another one. I love I love the smell of um, compost, horse poo, all that sort of all those nasty smells. I quite like. I, I think I don't think I'm alone there. I think a lot of gardeners are into that. Can you consciously feel yourself using your sense of smell as a tool? So somebody whose job it is to taste tea mm. will be able to recognise thousands of different kinds of tea. Can you recognise? thousands of different types of compost and can you smell what's right or wrong about that particular type of compost no i don't think i would i mean you can smell you can certainly smell a compost if it's sweet if it, if it's well rotted uh, it sort of carries a sweetness about it if for any reason it's had sort of anaerobic sort of decomposition it, it, it there's a very acrid sort of smell to it and and that's a little bit off-putting I'm sure, I, I, probably subconsciously, I can detect, but I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't call myself an expert on that. But it is nice. You do sort of get in the habit. I think it's more for show that you do sort of take your hand, put your hands into your compost, and take a nice deep breath, and, and everyone thinks, "Oh yeah, he knows what he's on about." Well, really, I know bugger all. You know, I'm just guessing. <laughs> I like woodland more than anything else, and woodland smells are just incredible. My favourite woodland smell has got to be wild garlic. That's just incredible. But I think any time of year you can go into a woodland, even in winter, and you can just smell the planet, basically. And, and, and it's a, like a combination of smells. It's not just like one plant. It's uh, All those combinations add up to something fantastic. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very difficult one to put your finger on, but woodland, for me, really sums up a lot about why I'm interested in nature and ecology and biodiversity and all that sort of stuff. This is really Odette's speciality. But are you into fragrances, perfumes? No. When I was a kid, 
or when I was a teenager, I sort of experimented a little bit, and, and most people were using Brute, and I knew that wasn't really a good thing. And I think my sophisticated taste led me to um, Christian Dior Eau Sauvage, and I thought that was, that was okay. And I think I only probably used it up to the age of 18, and after that, I've never ever worn aftershave ever since. And I don't know why. I, I, I always think on men, I don't know, it's not anything that I'm against, but it, I just can't imagine that I would ever wear it. Curiously, though, my, I, and I've got, this brings me to this item here. This was my mum, and you can see a picture of her, of her up on the wall. That's her. She died a couple of years ago, and there's some of her perfume in there still, only just. And I feel every time I stick my nose in this hat, it's a hat with a scarf in it, and every time I put my nose in there, I feel like I give her a big cuddle, and it's just the best, most comforting thing in the world. I've spoken to her husband, who's still alive, and uh, my stepfather, and he's got the... Uh, Chanel was one of them. Uh, there's a perfume by Givenchy. Part of me wants to boost it and give it a new lease of life, and I thought I could actually go back to the house and steal a bottle and put a few drops in but part of me knows that this smell in this hat is was actually on her and in her and it's much more real than than if I started faking it so I'm actually going to hold on to the slightest you know just that very very small trace of it for as long as I can before I get desperate <laughs> call me a wuss but that's that's my mum and she was a very vibrant colourful character and um, you know that she's there when I'm when I'm smelling that. So I'm sure lots of people have the same sort of things that they they yearn for and hang on to and cling to. It's quite interesting. We're so fragile, aren't we, <laughs> humans? Do you have a specific memory that you associate with that perfume and your mum, or is it more her general? That the photograph you see where she's wearing this is it was a very interesting. Uh, moment because she she took up the Jehovah Witness faith very late in life and I always used to make fun of her about it and one of the things that they can't celebrate Christmas and this picture I, I took of her I lined her up with a we were going somewhere and there's a Christmas tree we were walking past and she looked very Christmassy in her outfit and I got a Christmas tree in there and I took the photograph of her and I said I'm going to use that as proof that you're celebrating Christmas and she <laughs> we had a really fun time it was a very funny moment but um, no, the, the the actual perfume smell. I mean, this is everywhere in the house, in her old house. So um, yeah, it was all pervading. Her scent went everywhere with her. It's quite funny that. Cinnamon and nutmeg and cardamom and cloves and um, these are some of the ingredients I'll use when I'm making chai tea which is something I love I could drink gallons of the stuff in fact I have a, a Nepali friend of mine who works for me at Chelsea every year or every time we do Chelsea and, and the deal to get him to work at Chelsea is that I have to make a flask or two flasks of chai tea every single day of the show don't ever 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 buy something ready-made because it's just such a, a horrible thing you, you need to make it fresh so we sort of grinding every morning about five in the morning before we go to Chelsea all these spices and I mean that's that I mean this has been in this box for ages and you can see just smell how strong that is still it's probably past its best but um, that's just fantastic mix 
the weird thing is though that I've just been to America and when I smell cinnamon out there I just get a completely different feeling about the thing it actually I don't like it it's be, I think it's because they sort of put cinnamon in all sorts of breads and pastries and and stuff and with lots of sugar and and suddenly it becomes a completely different smell altogether in one minute or less tell us then how to make the chai so you grind the spices yeah it's easy grind there's no real hard and fast rules to how many but cinnamon cardamom the cardamom seeds you crush all those together uh, and you add it to milk and water or you know you, you can have just milk or just water if you want what else Gin- I put ginger in and a bit of pepper um, sometimes a bit of nutmeg Dundiraj, my Nepali, Nepali friend, he said never use nutmeg, so I just do it just to annoy him. And then sweeten it to taste, and you just boil it. Oh, you, of course, you add your tea. You've got to put some tea in there, and then you boil it up and keep it simmering for a while, and, and Bob's your uncle. It's, it's dead easy, dead easy. We have an allotment, and I know bonfires aren't particularly environmentally friendly, but, you know... It's all, I just can't resist it, basically, and um, love having a bonfire. And we can only have bonfires during the winter and not allow them in the summer. And, um, you know, I probably have enough bonfires to say that I've smoked 20 a day for the last 10 years. So, no, it's, 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 it's so evocative of childhood that definitely bonfires, bonfire night. In fact, we always have our bonfire night down there whenever we can and um, let off a few fireworks. And, and the mixture of all that is just wonderful. And I don't think I could live without a bonfire. Well, I could, obviously, but, you know, it's just um, it's one of those indulgences and um, that I really like to to enjoy. And you come home and you <laughs> you if you go to the petrol station afterwards to fill up and you go in or you go into a, a shop or something, you can see sort of people sort of standing away from you slightly because you're just reeking of smoke. It must be awful. Apples. I've planted probably about fifteen different varieties of apples in our allotment. We're hoping to make cider one day, and and I'm hoping for that day when I can get all the apples together and just find a room where I can store them. Because um, that's one of the early memories I had when I used to work for my aunt. We used to store her apples in this in this shed, and used to open the shed, and it's like this wave of appleness came over you. It's just wonderful. And then the third one, which has got to be my all-time favourite, is black currants. And black currants have got the most peculiar smell. It's very irony, metallic, almost too much in a way. And it's on the leaves and it's it's in the fruit. But when you cook it into a jam, I don't think there's anything quite like it. I mean, if I had to wear a scent, it would be black currant scent. I think it's black currant jam scent. There's a diptyque scent called l'ombre d'onlau, shadow in the water. And it's black currant leaf, and I think it's rose, but it's very prickly rose, so it's not too feminine. Okay. And it's really sour, and it does have that slight sweaty bo thing mm. going on, like the sharpness of black currant. But then it's also quite jammy, so you might like that one. Blimey, that's yeah. fantastic! No, you've—I will definitely try it. <laughs> You'll have to send me some. <laughs> when I was on Exmoor. Um, we used to go looking for stags, and I found out th- through a friend of mine, who's a guy called Graham Floyd, you could actually smell the animal before you saw it. If you if you stood in the, you know up or downwind of it, you could actually smell the animal. 
and that's something my nose has come very attuned to. And now we live next to Bushy Park. You know, I can smell the deer there. And, and I, I, it's quite interesting because I've gone with other people and say, can you smell the musk? And they can't smell it. And I, I think it's because of that early training. I love that. So it's sort of when you're walking in woodland and, and if you can just keep those, keep those antennae up, you can actually see things more than if you just relied on sight if you used your nose. If I could give it all up and do and just live in the woods, I think I'd be very happy as a forester and just um, that's probably where my heart is, I think. That was Cleve West's Life in Sense. If you'd like to find out more about Cleve and his work, you can do so at clevewest.com. All our previous episodes can be heard at lifeincense.com or are available to download for free on iTunes. Life in Sense with Joe Barrett and Odette Toilette.